volume three chapter seven of celestina this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c celestina by charlotte turner smith volume three chapter seven the morning at length arrived and the friends who had so long found all the consolation their circumstances admitted of in being together were now to part uncertain when or if ever they were to meet again mrs elphinstone sinking as she was under oppression of many present furrows and future apprehensions yet found them all deepened by the loss of celestina who had so generously assisted her in supporting them and celestina felt that when to soothe the spirits and strengthen the resolution of her friend was no longer her immediate task she should dwell with more painful and more steady solicitude on her own singular and unfortunate situation cathcart warmly attached as he was to both from gratitude and from affection had no power to speak comfort to either early in the morning he had met celestina and gone through willoughby's letter but though his mind sometimes strongly resisted the idea of that relationship of which it spoke he had nothing to offer against it and could only sigh over the incurable unhappiness with which he saw the future days of friends he so much loved would be clouded silently they all assembled round the breakfast-table but nobody could eat cathcart tried to talk of jessie of his house of his farm of his fortunate prospects and of his sister's two little girls whom he had taken home but there was not one topic on which he could speak that did not remind him of the obligations he owed to celestina and willoughby nor one idea which arose unembittered with the reflection that they to whom he was indebted for all his happiness were themselves miserable about twelve o'clock Vasover came into the room in his usual way inquired eagerly of celestina when she went to lady horatia howard's and when he could see her there and without waiting for an answer to his inquiry told her that he had that morning met sir philip molyneux and that lady molyneux had been in town about a week everybody who were related to willoughby was interesting to celestina and from lady molyneux she had always supposed more might be collected than from any other person but now her mind was too much oppressed and too much confused to allow her to distinguish her sensations or to arrange any settled plan for her future conduct towards lady molyneux she received vassiver's information therefore with coldness and indeed her manners towards him 
were very constrained and distant which he either did not or would not notice rattling on in his usual wild way though he saw the dejection and concern of the party a circumstance that more than ever disgusted celestina who began some time before to doubt whether the credit which vassiver had for good nature was not given him on very slender foundations for to be so entirely occupied by his own pleasures and pursuits as to be incapable of the least sympathy towards others to be unable or unwilling to check for one moment his vivacity in compliment to their despondence seemed to celestina such a want of sensibility as gave her a very indifferent opinion of his heart mrs elphinstone quitted the room to make her the last preparations for her departure but cathcart who had fettled everything before remained with celestina and vassiver he would have given the world to have passed these moments in conversation with her but the presence of a third person and especially of vassiver put an end to all hope he had of an opportunity of explaining to her with that tenderness and caution which the subject required some circumstances relative to willoughby's fortune which had lately come to his knowledge new embarrassments seemed threatening him and a lawsuit involving part of the property which belonged to alvastone's estate seemed likely to increase these embarrassments while the mortgagees were gradually undermining the estate itself and the absence of the master increased the impatience and mistrust of those who had claims upon it all this cathcart thought celestina ought to know yet in their first interview that morning he had not courage to tell her of it and now vassiver left him no chance of doing it for while he yet deliberated the coach sent by lady horatia howard stopped at the door and the moment was come in which he was to take his leave of her he took her hand and kissed it with an air of grateful respect but he could only say i shall write you in a few days and i hope give you a good account of my sister and of jessie i hope you will returned celestina faintly and added he you will of course like to hear of all that passes material in our neighbourhood certainly i shall replied she adieu dear sir i cannot say much but you know what i feel for you all vassiver had taken her hand to lead her down the stairs but she disengaged it from him and said to cathcart as she gave it to him let us go to your sister he led her to the door of the room where at that moment mrs elphinstone entered pale and breathless her eyes were heavy and fixed on celestina but she did not weep celestina's tears however were more ready and as she embraced her friend they choked the trembling adieu she would have uttered 
and fell in showers on her bosom the emotion was too painful and cathcart desiring to end it for both sakes disengaged his sister gently from the arms of the trembling celestina while vassiver again seizing her hand hurried her downstairs and as he put her into the coach he told her he should call upon her the next day she would have besought him not to do it as a liberty he ought not to take in the house whither she was going but before she could sufficiently recover herself to find words the coach was driven away and in a few moments she found herself at the door of lady horatia howard in park street grosvenor square and it became necessary for her to collect her spirits to acquit herself as so much kind attention deserved lady horatia received her with unfeigned pleasure and with a degree of maternal kindness that set her almost immediately at ease with herself she was put into possession of her apartment and begged to remember that it was hers as long as she would occupy it and that her time was always to be her own i am going out said lady horatia to dinner to-day i have a great notion you had rather dine at home celestina owned she had be it so then replied she and whenever you prefer being at home to going with me i shall be pleased at your using that freedom without which such a situation as i am able to offer you would be not only of no value but a species of slavery while she said this in the kindest manner celestina observed that she looked very earnestly at her eyes which were red with weeping and examined with a kind of mournful inquiry her features which bore traces of the concern she had felt in parting from her friends and having thus examined her countenance some time her own which was remarkably expressive assumed a look of surprise tempered with concern and then as if she checked herself she rang for her woman to receive orders about celestina's dinner and while they remained together she gave the conversation a more general turn when celestina was alone she ran over in her thoughts the transactions of the last month and wondered what fate would do with her next but not of herself alone she thought willoughby unhappy and unsettled his mind thrown from its balance by disappointment his talents lost in the bewildering uneasiness of uncertainty and his temper injured by the corrosive anxieties of pecuniary inconvenience he who had such a mind such a heart such talents such a temper who deserved every happiness and yet had hitherto known none willoughby wandering about the world to obtain confirmation of a fact which when known would only complete his misery was an object from which the thoughts of celestina could never a moment escape and a thousand times she wished she had never been born since to her 
to whomsoever she owed her birth willoughby certainly owned his unhappiness it was time to consider of obeying the injunction he gave her towards the close of his letter to write to him but on this subject she determined to consult lady horatia howard as well as to ask her advice in what way she should act in regard to vassiver whose inopportunities she dreaded yet from whose visits she knew not how to disengage herself under such protection however she knew that much of the inconvenience she must in other circumstances feel from vassiver's behavior would be obviated and that the sense as well as the situation of lady horatia would prevent that improper familiarity which when she was only with cathcart or mrs elphinstone whom he looked upon as inferior and as dependent it was too much his nature to assume with more complacency she thought of montague thurgood and always of his father with a degree of affectionate reverence as to the young man though her heart never admitted in regard to him the slightest tendency towards that sort of partiality which could ever grow into love yet she had received so many marks of real and ardent attachment from him she thought so well of his talents and so much better of his heart that she could never divest herself of solicitude for his welfare perhaps for in what heart however pure does not some weakness lurk perhaps the story she had heard of his former universal propensity to form attachments and which were intended to prejudice her against him had an influence on her mind of which she was herself unconscious and that her self-love though no human being ever appeared to have less was gratified by having thus fixed a man so volatile and unsteady though she never could nor ever have given him reason to suppose she could return the passion she had thus inspired while there remained any hope of ever seeing willoughby such as he had once been she had felt an utter repugnance to suffer the acidities of montague thurgood but willoughby's apparent neglect of her for some time before she left the isle of skye and in the little probability there now was that they could ever meet in peace since the receipt of his letter had gradually and almost insensibly accustomed her to the attentions of montague thurgood and though she felt for him nothing like love she could not help being sensible of a great difference in her sentiments towards him and towards vassiver one seemed to live only to obey and obliged her the other presuming on the advantages of fortune or on those which willoughby's friendship gave him appeared rather to demand than to solicit her regard rather to resent her neglect of his suit 
than court as a favor her acceptance of it and if celestina had any fault it was a sort of latent pride the child of conscious worth and elevated understanding which though she was certainly obscurely and possibly dishonorably born she never could subdue and perhaps never seriously tried to subdue it she felt that in point of intellect she was superior to almost everybody she conversed with she could not look in the glass without seeing the reflection of form worthy of so fair an inhabitant as an enlightened human soul and could she have been blind to these advantages the preference willoughby had given her so early in life would have taught her all their value it is not the consciousness of worth that is offensive and disgusting but the tribute of respect that is demanded of others who have perhaps no such conviction and of whom there is therefore unreasonable and arrogant to expect that they will acknowledge what they cannot perceive nobody was ever yet eminently handsome in person or eminently brilliant in intellect who did not feel from self-evidence that they possessed those advantages though many from the infirmity and weakness of their tempers fancy they exist where none but themselves can find any shadow of them good sense one prominent feature of which is due attention to the opinion and to the self-love of the rest of the world will rarely suffer those who possess it to obtrude even real advantages on the notice of others and without good sense little distinction appears between the real bloom of youth and beauty and the factitious charms purchased at a presumer's both are if not equally disgusting equally devoid of all that can make them estimable or valuable of this good sense celestina possessed such a share that conscious as she was of that superiority of which she was continually told no village girl had ever more unaffected simplicity of manners and while her mind was irradiated by more than common genius and her knowledge very extensive for her time of life she was in company as silent and as attentive to the opinion of others as if she had possessed only a plain and common understanding with no other cultivation than what a common boarding-school education afforded her pride therefore so moderated was rather a virtue than a blemish and taught her to value herself but never to despise the rest of the world there was about her too much of that disposition which the french called amity a disposition to please by seeming interested for others by entering into their joys and sorrows and by a thousand little nameless kindnesses which though they consisted perhaps only in attending patiently to a tale of sorrow 
told by a mourner of whom the world was tired or who was tired of the world or listening with concern to the history of pain and confinement related by the valetudarian smiling at the fond enthusiasm of a mother when she described the wit or beauty of a darling child or admiring the plans which an improver had laid down for the alteration of his grounds were all so many testimonies of a good disposition in the opinion of those towards whom these little civilities were exerted that celestina had formerly had almost as many friends as acquaintance whenever she appeared in the circle where she was now to move more splendid even than that where mrs willoughby's kindness had placed her it was probable that under such introduction as that of lady horatia howard all the charms of her person talents and temper would be seen to the utmost advantage unaccustomed as vasover was to look far into consequences had he discerned this as soon as he heard of the invitation celestina had received and he foresaw so many impediments to the pursuit of his wishes as well as the severity and pudentry which he had heard imputed to lady horatia as from the interference of rivals that he would very gladly have persuaded her against accepting it had he any pretence to offer for his objections but having none and not daring to invent any he had confined himself to mutterings against prudish old cats and representing to celestina that she was going to confine herself as humble companion to bear all the caprices of a superannuated woman of quality celestina heard him at first with concern from an idea that he had heard lady horatia misrepresented but when on his afterwards repeating this conversation she found that he knew nothing of her character even from report and only described her in so unpleasant a light from his wish to deter celestina from finding an asylum in her house anger conquered her concern and even her complaisance and she besought him in very strong terms never again to name lady horatia howard to her unless he could prevail upon himself to remember that she deserved from her character rather than her rank the respect of every man and particularly of every gentleman vasover had desisted then from talking of her in this style but he was not all more reconciled to the abode celestina had chosen where if he was admitted to see her at all it would probably be only in the presence of those who would be little affected with his professions of that love which every day became a greater torment to him 
and little dazed by that fortune which he had to offer as the price of its return celestina however to whom he had repeatedly said that he would visit her though she had not too soon apprised lady horotia to her situation and the first hour they were alone together lady horotia expressed such a desire to know all that had passed in regard to willoughby since she saw her on the journey into scotland that celestina without hesitation but not without great emotion related it all and put into her hands the letters received from willoughby lady horotia read them and attended with great interest to what celestina related of the sudden appearance of montague thorogood and the avowed pretensions of vassivir and after deliberating some time she smiled yet not with a smile of pleasure and said it appears my love as if you were only come to tantalize me for a moment with your company for beset as you are by these young men i see i shall never be able to keep you long ah madame replied celestina neither mr vassiver nor mr thorogood can incite a wish in me to quit your protection while it is convenient to you to afford it to me and for my first my most beloved friend my what shall i call him he talks not of returning to england and if he does and if he does return interrupted lady horotia you must and rightly formed as your heart is you do i am sure understand that while the faintest mist of doubt hangs over you you ought never to meet him unless indeed one of you were married allow me to ask madame said celestina in a tremendous voice allow me to ask your ladyship who were so well acquainted with mrs willoughby whether from any relection of remarks made in her lifetime you have any persuasion as to the foundation of those doubts you might have seen replied lady horotia from the purport of a letter i wrote you while you were in scotland that i had even then heard rumours of the cause of your separation from willoughby which lady castlenorth had very industriously set forth i judged from what i then heard that if it were not true her art would be so effectually exerted that you would never discover the deception and that you must be rendered unhappy it was therefore i advise you to detach yourself as much as you could from what is childishly called a first love i thought that what mr willoughby was then said to be on that point of completing his marriage with miss fitzhaman was the very best thing he could do both for his own sake and yours for if it should be found you are related the very idea is attended with too much horror to be dealt upon and even if it is a fabrication of lady castlenorth's 
unless it can be clearly proved to be so your whole life might be embittered by it besides my dear celestina how could mr willoughby circumstanced as i understand he is in regard to money manners how could he afford to marry you celestina sighed deeply from the recollection of their arrangements as to all those affairs which willoughby had so fondly made and to which she had so fondly listened then recovering herself she repeated the question which she thought lady horatia had evaded but has your ladyship any recollection of circumstances in mrs willoughby's conduct or life that gave you reason to believe this unhappy story may not be the fabrication of lady castlenorth not from my own knowledge replied she for i was in italy with general howard who was then in an ill state of health at the time mr willoughby's father died and for two years afterwards when i returned to england i was absorbed in domestic uneasiness and heard without attending much to them those gossiping stories which fly about for a week or a month till some newer scandal causes them to be forgotten yet i do recollect i own hearing some hints of mrs willoughby's partiality for mr everard and that they were supposed to be privately married but i accounted for it when i attended to it at all by recollecting that mrs willoughby was at the time of her husband's death a young and beautiful woman with a good fortune and an admirable understanding advantages which while they created envy and malignity in the minds of a hundred people who possessed nothing of all that among her own sex produced as many pretenders to her favor among the other every one of them though some were men of rank and of course eminent enough in their own eyes were dismissed by her on their first application with a polite but positive refusal these men were piqued and these women were spiteful and they together found out a reason for the unheard of refusal of a young and admired widow by supposing her unattached to her son's tutor not one of them from the information of their own hearts being able to conceive it possible that she made this sacrifice to maternal tenderness and refused a hand to a second husband because she would suffer nothing to interrupt the attention she owed to the children of the first you do not then believe said celestina eagerly you do not then believe my dear madame that there is any truth in this odious story pardon me answered lady horatia i did not say so gracious heaven exclaimed celestina it is possible you can believe it my dear young friend said she calmly i have lived so long in the world that though i do not hastily and on slight grounds believe such a report 
yet i should not wonder were it in the event to be verified celestina who had always in her own heart opposed the idea of her being the daughter of mrs willoughby thought she felt and submitted to the necessity of seeing willoughby no more when one doubt remained unsatisfied now changed colour affected as well by the manner of lady horotia as by what she said she had not however courage to press her farther but spoke of the visit intended her by mr vassiver i wish it were possible said she to convince him at once that i shall never listen to the proposal with which he is pleased to honour me as willoughby's friends added she and sighed i shall be always glad to see him but in any other light never and i think you wrong however replied lady horotia in wishing so hastily to dismiss him he is a man of family of fortune and as you allow not disagreeable in his person and for his morals they are not worse i suppose than those of other young men he is allowed i think to be generous good-tempered and not to want sense if every idea willoughby is at an end why not relieve yourself and him from a state of uneasy retrospection by receiving the addresses of one whom he cannot disapprove are you in earnest lady horotia cried celestina certainly i am replied she at least i venture very seriously to advise you not to dismiss vassiver so hastily but receive him as an acquaintance till you are sure you disapprove of him as a lover dear madame resumed celestina were i capable of giving away my hand so lightly is mr vassiver a man who you think could make me happy nay replied lady horotia if there is anybody whom you prefer that is another point i only say that if you feel yourself perfectly disengaged i cannot think vassiver ought to be dismissed hastily perhaps half the young women in london would think a more desirable match could not offer this conversation was interrupted by the entrance of a servant who announced the arrival of a person who was the subject of it and vassiver immediately entered the room he condescended to pay to lady horotia more respect than he generally shrewd to those who were indifferent to him hers was however that sort of company in which he by no means found himself a case and his eagerness to entertain celestina alone once or twice broke through the restraint which he imposed upon himself lady horotia who was candid and liberal saw in him only an unformed and unsteady young man whose morals and manners required nothing but time and good company to render estimable she saw the prejudice celestina seemed to entertain towards him as a mere prejudice and on his rising to depart 
gave him a general invitation to her house celestina who knew the refinement of her mind and the delicacy of her taste was amazed at seeing to approve him and when he was gone ventured to say what does your ladyship think of mr vassiver why really very well replied she he is very young and quite unformed but with those giddy manners and amid that unpolished conversation there is no want of understanding celestina again sighed no answered she no want of understanding certainly for willoughby was not likely to select him for his friend had that been wanting but yet they were so unlike so very unlike that i have often wondered at their long and intimate friendship vassiver is so headlong so impetuous so self-willed and sometimes so boisterous while willoughby with more imagination more genius more strength of understanding is so calm so reasonable so attentive to everybody she was too much affected to proceed in the catalogue of his virtues a subject on which she had hardly ever touched before but stopped from the emotion she felt and lady horotia who saw and pitied the source of that emotion changed the conversation vassiver flattered by the reception he had met with from the present protectress of celestina and more in love than ever in proportion as she was in his opinion infinitely handsomer now than ever was now very frequent in his visits while celestina's whole mind was occupied by the necessity she was under of writing to willoughby and the difficulty she was under how to answer with propriety such a letter as that she had received from him at length with many efforts and more tears the letter was written and approved of by lady horotia and celestina endeavoured in compliance with the wishes of her friend and with more earnestness than success to dismiss from her mind some of its corrosive sensations and to enter if not with avidity at least with cheerfulness into that style of fashionable life which though she could not always enjoy she never failed to adorn End of Volume 3, Chapter 7 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.